Welcome to Capital P and People Work. I'm your host, Gabby Lubin, and I'm a three-time burnt-out professional. I say that because it's my mission in life to co-create a world where burnout is the exception, not the norm. That's why I've brought you a full season on Capital P of episodes that center on workplace wellness. Together, we'll dive into what it means to really walk the walk of wellness in the workplace. Join me in chatting with people leaders, wellness CEOs, and workplace wellness providers to learn about all that there is in workplace wellness. Let's dig into the topic for today. Today, I'm joined by Anne Jacoby. She is on a mission to cultivate creativity at work. As founder and CEO of Spring Street Solutions, Anne applies her 20 years of experience to help leaders create the workplace cultures they crave through culture assessment and strategy, program development and execution, and executive coaching. With an MBA from NYU's Stern School of Business, Anne blends her roots in the performing arts with business know-how to help her clients transform their organizational culture. And thank you so much for joining us today. It is great to be here, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we heard about your incredible accomplishments and um, just your long history of success already. We want to know who are you as a human, Anne? Oh, I am imperfect. I'm a work in progress. I am always learning. Uh, I'm a mom that takes a lot of my emotional energy and time and heart um, and I, you know, I take each day as it comes. It's all about learning. It's all about um, being curious and hopefully applying creativity to help other people thrive as well. Beautiful. Oh, I can't wait to dig into the creativity piece. But before we do, I want to know what is your capital P word of how you're thinking of people work right now? Oh, purpose. That was very easy for me to, to leap to. Um, you know, I, I often start with purpose with my work with clients. I think a lot about it in my own life and my own business. But I think when we really focus and have that as the centerpiece of our day-to-day, a lot of other things become much more clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and I think um, more and more as we're talking with different leaders in the wellness and future of work space, Right now for this season, I'm noticing purpose is coming up as a a constant theme. And that makes a lot of sense. When you're mission-driven, you're able to bring that purpose into your work in a maybe not flawless way, but in a way that that helps actually drive the work that you're doing. So I'm I'm glad to hear that that's also something that resonates with you. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's a lot of great research that demonstrates how having a clearer purpose leads to happier and and uh, better states of well-being at work. So I think there's good reason to do it. Absolutely. So tell us, Anne, about your career. How did you get into this space of cultivating creativity at work? Because it's there's not a lot of people that are doing it. And I think it's important that that you have this awesome niche because it's something that is missing in the workplace. So would love to hear, how did you get into it? Lots of zigs and zags, Gabby. Um, So I I did start my career, my professional life as a performer, as you mentioned. So I really thought that I would be a singer, actor, dancer for my entire career, you know, not looking back. I went to the high school for the arts in LA and studied theater at Northwestern and and did it professionally for a while and uh, was living in New York during 9-11. And I think a lot of us living there had this moment of, 
taking a look at our lives and making sure that we're doing what we want to do with it since we we have such precious limited time here on earth and for me I wanted more stability I wanted something that felt uh that I had a little bit more control and direction over it and so you'll get a kick out of this I joined a startup <laughs> thinking that <laughs> Well, that's stable, right? Well, uh, it's relative, right? <laughs> it's all relative. Thank you. Uh, so I joined this startup. I ended up staying there for 12 and a half years. So I guess it was a stable choice. But that's where I had my aha that creativity is essential in business building. And all of the skills that I had been building and cultivating for years really did apply in our workspaces. And that when we think about being adaptable, collaborating, uh, thinking on our feet, uh, you know, building on each other's ideas, that creative thinking is what fuels business. And so now kind of fast forward 20 years, I, I get to help a lot of other leaders who also think in those terms and also really want to build thriving organizational cultures by unlocking our creative mindsets. Yeah, it's um that that's awesome to hear and and honestly makes a lot of sense that you started that journey in the startup space because that is where creativity is needed, right? You have to bring creativity into that into the workplace because there is no manual most of the time for what you're doing and uh, you got to come come up with it out of thin air as I am very familiar with. <laughs> the truth. But even I will say even for established organizations, yeah everyone's reinventing now. And I think there was a recent survey of, um, you know, thousands of CEOs and over half of them said that their businesses as they exist today will not be in business 10 years from now. And so I think creativity is a muscle that is probably underdeveloped within our workplaces. And it's going to be very much needed as we reinvent this future work that you talk about. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, I think typically you're right that we think that creativity needs to exist only in some sections of the workplace in general, but as the workforce is changing so drastically and as our world is changing, changing faster than we expected, we have to catch up with that in the workplace for sure. So talk to us, what does it look like and feel like to have creativity in the workplace? Ah. Uh. Well, I think it really does start with safety and a feeling of organizational trust, um, trust that you can be yourself, trust that you feel secure in your job and your position, uh, trust that uh, you feel uh, safe to play and safe to fail. And I think a lot of times in our workplaces, we talk about failure, but we don't really take that extra step to walk through what does that actually look like in action and how do we you know, pick ourselves back up? Um, no one intends to fail. No one wants to have that kind of experience. But if we standardize that as the norm, as the expectation that, hey, we're gonna experiment a lot and a lot of these experiments are not gonna go the way that we plan and that's okay, that you start to develop that muscle for more creativity. So I think it really does have to start with that, that feeling of safety. We did a panel a few, oh, two months ago um, about psychological safety specifically. And I think that, you know, it's a term that I studied when I was um, getting my undergrad in psych. And then in the classroom, I was a former educator, but something that hasn't moved quite yet into the mainstream, I think, of the workplace yet. But truly what I'm hearing from you is it needs to be part of that foundational structure 
before you let people get creative or have that um, that space of creativity. It's not like throwing in a ping pong table is going to let people, <laughs> if we're in office, become creative, right? It's a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. There's There are a lot of um, kind of misunderstandings about what creativity is in business. And, um, you know, they think that it's it's for the anointed few that have this flash of inspiration and this genius. Uh, and it's really, it's like any other skill you need to practice. You need to have discipline around it. Uh, I'm really big into building containers in which we can be creative. And that actually allows creativity to, to bloom and to really express itself in, in different ways. And a perfect example of that is, is COVID, you know, when we were all, all of a sudden in these distributed environments, working from our home offices, you had to get creative. You had to rethink how work is going to get done. And that those constraints actually allowed creativity to flourish. Yeah. I mean, I, I built the business in the midst of COVID. A lot of other people did. But talk to me, how do you do that without there being a global pandemic? Is there ways in which um, you know, you cultivate people's energy to allow them to have this space and, and the brain power to be creative? Or is there some, what, what's the magic there of helping people get there? Yeah, I'm really glad that you used the word space because I think a lot of times um, there's this feeling that, okay, everybody get creative. And yet there are back-to-back -back meetings and there's <laughs> time and space to actually think deeply about things. And so- uh, understanding that you have to allow for those moments of breathing, those moments of connecting the dots, the moments of um, understanding different perspectives. So there are certain techniques that I do with my clients to unlock certain creative pathways in our brains, you know, kind of more science uh, driven um, practices that really do lead to those, those creative wirings. Um, but a lot of it just comes down to a commitment to build in that time and space to allow people to be creative. Um, I spoke with um, the, I'm, I'm getting her title wrong. She's not the CPO, I don't think, but the people leader over at Ness, um, who you introduced us to um, the other day. And she was sharing with us that something that they do at their um, company is have specific days where they don't have meetings, which mm. is not something that is totally unheard of nowadays. I've done that for myself as a, as a founder. Um, but just having an entire day, even if it's just one day to be able to perform on the things that you need to do and get into that deep work is something that is, I, I mean, I think that's what breeds the, the creativity. That's the space that we're talking about. Um, is that something you helped kind of pique their interest to, to start doing over there? <laughs> oh, I can't, can't take any credit for that, but I, I think, um, I think you're onto something that it is structural. And I think that, uh, a lot of times in my work on culture strategy and really thinking through, are we building the behaviors and the social norms, the operating rhythms that will allow for this creative thinking? Uh, and I would connect learning close close to that, um, that learning and, and being exposed to new ideas, uh, whether that's within your organization, right? Having those cross-functional meetings and collaborative working sessions, but then also externally, how are we out in the world uh, getting new inputs that really helps to fuel more of a creative culture? 
Yeah, that's such a good point. Like energy is important, but also if you're sitting inside all day on your computer by yourself seven days a week or even five days a week, how can you be creative? There's, there's, you're not getting enough stimulus from other spaces. So what, um, do you suggest maybe for um, the coaching clients that, that you work with, what are some ways in which you invite folks to go out and find their creativity? Yeah. So I, I think of them as little creativity boosters. And I, again, to, to your earlier point about misunderstanding what creativity is, I think there's a lot of pressure that it's this big thing, right? If you're not inventing the next iPhone, then you're really not being creative. But if you think about little incremental improvements to the business and thinking and rethinking how your processes are at work, uh, that can be an expression of creativity. And so getting people in the headspace of, yeah, going for a nature walk, right? Just get out of your office for 10 minutes, go get some fresh air. That could be a creativity booster. Um, it might be doing a puzzle with your kids, you know, that, that uh, unlocks different parts of our brain that we're not typically working towards. So those little micro boosters, if you apply them, if you kind of integrate them throughout your day can really have an impact on how you approach a problem at work. And sometimes stepping away is the best thing that you can do to invite that creative thinking. Yes. Yes. Um, of course, all the episodes that we're recording now are kind of like blending together in this beautiful kind of woven way. And, um, I think it's, it's, hard not to bring in wellness to this part of creativity boosters because one, you know, you said, you suggested two ideas, puzzle, nature walk. It's really about, I think, choosing what suits you best and choosing what brings you the most, um, pause essentially the, the enables you to really step away from whatever else you're doing. And, um, a, episode that we were doing a little while ago was talking specifically about the power of pause and how, how I'm trying to find another word, but how powerful it truly is to step away. Um, and I've been reading some articles on that recently on, on you, we shouldn't be working more, but we should actually be taking breaks more. would love to hear just your thoughts on that. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And and the power of pause, the power of reflection too, has, has now shown in studies to lead to more creativity within teams. So interesting example, uh, a researcher put two teams together, one finished a project and then moved on to the next, another finished a project and the intervention was about 15, 20 minutes of reflection. What went well, where could we improve? What did we wanna celebrate and repeat? And then they went on to their next project. And that that B team uh, had much more creativity in their second project. And so there's real data to support the power of pausing, the power of reflecting. And yet I think in our hustle always on culture, it's really hard to do that. We're so focused on moving on to the next thing. Uh, it feels disruptive to kind of pause, uh, but I think it, it really does have a high impact on creativity and our well-being. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a, um, I'm curious about this. I obviously am quite bought into creativity and, um, it's something that I value and the power of pausing and reflection. Um, but I'm sure there are people you come up against who are just not sure about 
why it could be valuable. So what are some of the roadblocks that you find in different companies? Yeah, the creativity killers, I call them. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they exist. They exist. <laughs> and I think, yeah, let's, you know, to play devil's advocate, yes, there are certain roles or certain um, pockets within our workplace where creativity probably isn't what you want. Uh, if I have a surgeon working on me, do I want them to get creative with their surgery? Probably not. I want them to apply the processes and the playbook that they have been practicing for years. That's why I'm engaging their services. But for most of us, creative, creative, <laughs> creativity and creative thinking is really what we need. We need to rethink. We need to resist the status quo. And we need to rethink to continuously improve, whether that's incremental or big step change, uh, to stay alive in business. And so, yes, I do come up more process-oriented folks who might say, I don't want to be creative, or um, that's a little too woo-woo for me. But actually what we're talking about is problem-solving, and thinking about things in a way that better serves our customers, all of that in most businesses is essential. Yeah. Yeah. Are, do you find that there are certain generations that have different definitions of creativity in the workplace? Hmm. That's interesting to think about it generationally. Um, I haven't seen a stark, starkly different distribution among different generations. But I do think the ways in which we engage AI, for example, is going to change how we think about being creative at work. And what used to be, okay, I have a blank sheet of paper, I need to generate ideas from scratch, maybe that goes away. But I don't think creativity will go away. We might use an AI tool to take the first draft and then, ooh, that sparks something else. Let me add to that. You almost see it as part of your creative team is technology. And so I think certainly um, those who are more digitally native might have more comfort using those tools. I don't wanna make a generalization, but um, but I do think that, that that could speak to your point about different, different generations. Well, cause innovation and creativity, even though we've been talking about, you don't have to be innovative necessarily to have creativity, but if we're talking about the the companies or the organizations that are going to go the furthest in the next, well, however many years we want to be talking about right here, whatever, whatever the next future of work is, um, you know, there's, there's technology just coming out so quickly quickly at us right now that the ones who allow, I think, themselves to get um, lost or ambitious or curious about the technology, those are the ones that are going to come up with those creative ideas that mold together, you know, this piece from over there and then the AI from over there and the, I don't know, we'll talk, we can bring out a bunch of buzzwords there. Um to help really craft what the future holds. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we can view technology as our partner to do much more deep creative thinking yeah. and that it's really elevating the work within our, our businesses um, and not taking it away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Something that I'm I'm deeply curious about. Um, 
along the lines of, and I haven't used this phrase in a long time, but quiet quitting. <laughs> we'll bring that back. What it's been like a year since we used it, I think. <laughs> what a fun, what a fun phrase. So quiet quitting, at least in my book, is this idea that you're not going above and beyond in your job, but you're doing your job. Um, and it doesn't mean you're not being creative, but it's probably not going um, to the, you know, X level in order to create or implement for your job. There's, I think, something to be said for being able to have that additional energy to dive into your personal creative space. So can you talk to us about, you know, the integration of work and life creativity and, and why one might be more or less important or how they should be equally important there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think <laughs> for me and, and going back to the big P, right. The purpose is to ignite creativity to to really drive fulfillment in people's lives. And whether that's in your work life, whether that's outside of your work, who am I to judge, right? <laughs> I am hired by organizations. And so ideally it fits within the organization and what they're hoping to get out of it. But I might have private clients on the side who are really um, seeking their own creative endeavors. And I wanna help nurture, nurture that energy as well. I think when we feel more fulfilled in all parts of our life, we bring more to the workplace. And it's very difficult, I think, to turn it off. Like I'm going to be really fulfilled and really passionate about my stuff here. And then blah, I show up to work. I, I rarely see that happen. And so if we look at a whole person and how they're fulfilled and how they're operating creatively and feeling um, the, the positive energy of belonging to a team and feeling connection with their colleagues and collaborating with a diverse group of of folks who they, you know, who they work with. I think that's, that's usually where my work focuses. And that's usually what my clients are after. It's uh, super interesting. Um, it feels very related to a book that I'm currently reading right now by uh, Lori, Lori Rudiman. I think I'm saying her last name, right? Um, betting on you. Mm. And this idea that, you know, I'm sure there are people that we're speaking to on this podcast who are feeling very stuck at their jobs right now, who don't feel as if they have that creativity or that outlet or just, you know, the psychological safety to to explore or be curious. And the solution isn't necessarily to go and find that other job. It could be a solution, but it also is to get deep inside yourself and and find the space for you to explore or get creative or you know, have a, a better understanding of your autonomy. And then once you bring that back to the workplace, that's when it starts to transform the workplace. Yeah, I think that's right. That it starts with us. It starts yeah. as the individual and tapping into our own creativity. And then you kind of move on to, okay, how do I show up as a creative leader? How do I nurture that in others? And then you get to the organization. How does my whole company operate in a creative way? Um, so that's kind of the evolution that I, I work on. Yeah. When you work with clients, is that how you prefer to work? Not necessarily that how you always work. Um, <laughs> do you start with those individual leaders and then kind of expand out from there? 
Yeah, it, it kind of depends on on what their needs are. Um, and that's part of the fun of the work that I do is that it is custom to each unique situation. Um, and that makes it more fun for me to to get creative in those spaces. Yeah. Ah, yes, I love you being able to get creative on top of the creativity. <laughs> <laughs> it is so meta, but it's it's needed. It's needed. It's important. Um so it seems like there's, you know, this um, cross section of like personal creativity and then community creativity. What are, we've talked a little bit about some ways in which you can personally be creative, assuming you feel like you have that. Um, and we're working now towards this like community centered version of, of creativity. What are some things that you suggest to companies to start cultivating that as a group? Yeah. Yeah, when I think about the the leadership space and organization wide, uh, again, I think about having a very clear culture strategy. So really understanding, you know, why people work here. What's the big north star of our organization? I think about the who, the who thrives here. Um, who are we attracting to our organization, and are we setting them up for success? Think a lot about the how. So how are we showing up for each other? Uh, that might be in our meetings. What does a good meeting look like? Uh, you know, how do we how do we behave with each other? And then the last part that I focus on is the where and when, and that has really changed <laughs> over the past few years. But uh, are we empowering people to choose the work environment that works best for them? Mm. How do what? How was responses to that last part been for like senior leadership? Yeah, I mean, I tend to work with a lot of organizations that have some remote component. So they're either fully remote uh, and, and intend to be so forever indefinitely, and, or they are hybrid. So they have some either radical flexibility in terms of letting people choose where to work um, or, or they have some, some balance so that people have some in-office time and some remote time. Yeah. Hmm. I can only assume, because there's um, you know, us being in the wellness space, uh, we've played with disengagement and that concept at work. Um, of course, we were, we were already talking about quiet quitting. I think those are unfortunately related, even if they don't, if they aren't. They don't have to be related necessarily because just because you're quiet quitting does not mean you're disengaged. It's just not where you're putting your energy per se as, as strongly. Um, how do you think that disengagement at work and, and creativity kind of fit together? Yeah, well, I, I think when creativity is activated, it's, it's tough to be disengaged, right? If you, yeah. you really feel uh, empowered to share your ideas and, you see them take flight or you collaborate with others to make them even better. I think that's where we get fulfillment in our work. Uh, everyone wants to be recognized for a job well done. And if you're putting uh, your, your best creative ideas forward and you feel safe to do that, you feel supported, you feel inspired by your colleagues, that's kind of the, the ultimate situation that we strive to achieve in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 
I think um, we're, we're doing a poll right now for our May panel and Q&A, which will at this point be out um, when the podcast episode is released. But um, it's interesting to see, you know, we're trying to think about this idea of uh, mental health in the workplace as it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, the push for even just talking about like feedback at work and the importance of that, which should be, you know, there should be first of all, it should be there, <laughs> period. Um, and, you know, it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about earlier with um, being able to have that space for reflection, um, both as a manager and as someone who is being managed. Um, this needs, it just, this has to be at all levels of the company, all levels of work. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought up feedback because feedback for many of us puts us into this threat state and we feel on the defensive. And if it's woven into part of the fabric of the culture of the organization, feedback can be a real gift. It can be a real show of love that I care enough to share this feedback with you. And hearkening back to my performing days, the feedback process, and then it's the notes process, taking your notes at the end of a run through. I mean, you got to take the note. And that is so much a part of the performance culture. And I'll, I'll share this little story. Um, so when I went to Northwestern and studied theater, Carrington Vilmont was a, a classmate of mine. And shortly after graduating Northwestern, he got cast in Phantom of the Opera. Hmm. He has been there ever since until the closing in April, 2023. He's done 6,000 66 performances on Broadway in Phantom of the Opera. And we just reconnected after many, many years of not being connected. And he shared with me where he got creative was in the rehearsal process and getting notes and getting feedback. And I think that's such a great connection into the workforce that we have to see feedback as a chance to be more creative, a, a chance to pivot, a chance to try something new and, and see feedback as a gift in that way. Oh, that's such a, first of all, very cool. So cool to have uh, known that classmate. I was reading about that story just the other day. Um, what an amazing run. Um, but I think you're right. That's such a valuable story to share. Cause I mean, even thinking back to my own experience, I used to hate feedback. Like I used to cringe. I would not ask for it. I didn't want the red marks on my paper in high school or college, even like in middle school. And to realize how far I've come now as a founder, getting plenty of doors shut in my face and, you know, reaching out to lots of people I don't know at all. And um, it's all feedback, right? It's all data that's giving me information on how I could do better, how I could create in a more interesting way. And, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that a lot of your work is is somewhat personal and internal and helping people see how helpful these things could be versus hurtful. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you. Where do you think the, you know, we're talking about the future of work. Where do you think the future of creativity and work is going? What are some predictions you have or maybe aspirations? Ooh, gosh, that is a good one. And I'll have to give that some more thought. But I do think 
naturally it's how we integrate technology into our workplaces. I really do think that's the future. Let's accept it and let's play with it and let's run some experiments. And probably some of those experiments are going to crash and burn and some of them will be hugely successful. So let's get started and let's really double down on what our humanity offers in our workplaces and let's invest in those relationships because as tech takes more of our jobs over, which is fine, it's going to elevate our creative thinking. We really do need to show up as human. We need to dial up our empathy. We need to focus on well-being. We need to take those breaks. We need to reflect. And that's the opportunity at hand. And I think that's, that's the future of work. I love that. It really makes me energized because sometimes we do feel a little ah, nervous, scared, disappointed that um, technology is taking over. We'll have like an iRobot situation. Hopefully not, fingers crossed. Um, but that is our chance. Like if we have technology help us with those baseline or fundamental things, then our brains get to do all of the cool, innovative creative work. Like that is special. That is magic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, um, this has been so awesome to dive in and, and talk about creativity. Really appreciate you. If folks are interested in learning more about you or the work that you do, where can they find you? Yeah, you can check out my website, springstreetco.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn uh, slash Ann Jacoby uh, or Instagram. I'm on Instagram at anjacoby.author. Beautiful. Oh, well, it's been a wonderful conversation. We appreciate you for sharing all of your creative thoughts and supports with us. So yes, thank, thank you. you Abby. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I swear I learned so much from each and every episode on Capital P. If there is something that you are taking away from this episode, we encourage you to share it on social media, particularly our main channel on LinkedIn. Tag us, tag our guests. As always, thank you so much for listening, fam. We'll catch you next time to talk wellness in the workplace with other visionaries. You can find Capital P Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with a brand new episode. Make sure to follow us and share with your favorite people people. See you next time. Mm-hmm.